0: Hello everyone, this is Speaking Up with Andrew Pledger and this podcast allows people to share their stories of abuse and religious trauma in various religions and cults. Some guests come on the show to discuss specific topics to educate and bring awareness. Discussions will range from purity culture, mental health, religious trauma, Christian culture, deconstruction, spirituality, and much more. Now, let's get into this episode of Speaking Up with Andrew Pledger. Hello, everyone. This is Speaking Up with Andrew Pledger, And I am so excited to have Sunane on the show today. She is a nuclear engineer in South Carolina and escaped a special brand of Floridian white Christian nationalism. Her childhood normalized conspiracy theories, but 2020 with COVID and QAnon finally made her realize something was deeply wrong. Now, Sunine is writing a book called Taking Off the Tin Foil Hat to process a deconstruction of her fundamentalist evangelicalism and propagandistic patriotism. From the IBLP cult to Jewish space lasers, she pulled a thread and cracked her faith. How are you doing today, Sunine?
1: Uh, I'm good. Thank you so much for having me on.
0: Of course, I am so, so happy to have you on and I am so glad you reached out to me to be on the show because I think, you know, your story is so, so important because it digs into uh, conspiratorial thinking and also cultic and religious groups. This is something I have not talked about with anyone on my podcast about, so I am so excited To hear your experiences and your stories on these subjects.
1: Uh, Again, thank you so much for having me on. Um, I think more than important, my story is really just like common. Uh Mm. everybody that I talk to talks about how they went through something similar, uh, especially like since 2020. Everybody has a QAnon uncle or a hydroxychloroquine Mm -hmm. mom or uh, you know, it's everywhere. So uh, it's kind of become like the problem of our generation, uh, which is what I'm really trying to just like understand.
0: Mm, yes. And so you grew up in this, this kind of thinking, right? This environment.
1: Yes. So I was raised um, in what I'm calling kind of a fundamentalist evangelical uh, upbringing. Um, there were multiple different spheres of just like white Christian influence. Um, So I went to a private Christian Protestant elementary middle school. Um, So that was one. Um, We attended a Calvary Chapel, uh, which is kind of like a a chain church, like the Chipotle of uh, non-denominational Christian churches. Um, And then I also attended uh, another church for youth group that was a a Southern Baptist church um and in it was a small town a small town in florida so um all of these spheres of communities kind of overlapped a lot like kids i went to school with i also went to church with um kids who were at my youth group were also um you know going to various churches so um there was also this undercurrent of iblp and uh, Mm. i know that you've spoken to a couple other people on your podcast about iblp and i absolutely love those episodes um but for anybody who doesn't know essentially iblp is like an honest to goodness like cult um headed by a reverend bill gothard um he was huge in the 80s and 90s early 2000s um he started a homeschooling program called ATI um, that was one of the really big like Christian homeschooling movements in the 80s, 90s, early 2000s. And um, a lot of people that I knew used ATI, Um, but not everybody who used ATI knew its connections to Bill Gothard necessarily. Um, So it was just very like insidiously pervasive. And um, a couple of the families that we were very close to, and my, my family was not a part of this, But my parents were very controlling over um, Christian versus non-Christian influences. So we were only allowed to be friends with people who were in the church or who were Christians, um, like all the way through like adulthood. Um, So all of these Christian families that we were the only people we were allowed to talk to um, were like more hardcore IBLP. So they all had like six to eight kids. They all named their kids with the same letter, which was like, you know, very Duggar. Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, one of my absolute best friends growing up, we met when we were 12. Um, she, her family used ATI. She was very into IBLP. Um, when I went to undergrad, she went to teach English in Taiwan through an IBLP program. Um, so they were very into that. Um, and it, it really is just a more extreme version of like purity culture. Um, mm. you know, women are second-class citizens. We're not encouraged for higher education. Your, um, ultimate goal in life is just to find a husband and a church husband. Um, you're only supposed to be educated enough to attract a husband and then to homeschool your own children. Um, if you go to college, it is Bible college to get an MRS degree, which is just to find a Bible husband and, um, you know, I just did not with that. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. um, I basically kind of escaped. And I, I my deconstruction did not start until embarrassingly late with the whole rise of QAnon and COVID. Um, but I can very clearly see that, like, I did escape all of this because I was too good at math. And uh, my mother was not one of the hardcore, like, fundamentalist she had life experience like before she had kids um and she basically she was a firefighter um Mm -hmm. in a time when women were not firefighters like she had to sue the fire department to get her job back at one point um Uh just from like sexual discrimination and things so um she always told me like you know your looks will fade but your education never will um you know get an education and you know a man can always leave you never put yourself under the complete power of a man. But at the same time, you know, never date anybody unless it's like for a marriage connection, save yourself for marriage and like still this like very heavy evangelical influence, but not to the same level as a lot of my friends. Um, And I was, you know, they told me to be good at school. So I was, and uh, I got to go to a real school. Because I was too good at math. And so I went to the University of Florida for nuclear engineering. Um, but, you know, growing up in all of that, I say that it was, you know, conspiracy theories were normalized um, because they were, uh, but I didn't realize that they were conspiracy theories at the time. They were just like what people believed, these were just normal things. So I remember being like a little kid in, uh, you know when clinton was the president and my parents just absolutely hating him and saying that he was like selling united states secrets to like terror countries and stuff just because he was a democrat and um when God, uh, when obama became the president of course obama is the antichrist there uh, also a lot of racism it was a very white town mm-hmm. um so obama is the antichrist and he's secretly a muslim and um When my friend, uh, the one who went to Taiwan, um, Kathy, we'll call her Kathy, um, she dated a guy at one point who was a born again evangelical, he was a deadbeat and they hated him, Um, but he like was a missionary in the church, uh, basically just because he said that he had like a calling from god to like be a missionary in the church but like wasn't actually doing any kind of missionary work he just didn't want to get mm-hmm. an actual job um and so but he was middle eastern and her parents uh and my parents on separate occasions like were <laughs> like livid about this because he was a person of color and they were convinced that he was a secret muslim and that he was just like using her to infiltrate the country and um when fukushima happened uh do you know what i'm talking about with fukushima Um, i do not know. oh okay that's a thing it's a thing um (laughs) uh, uh i did nuclear engineering so like when i say fukushima like everybody knows what i'm talking about uh but i forget what like you know, normal people actually know, um, <laughs> in 2011, I think there was a major reactor accident in Japan um, at the Fukushima, Fukushima Daiichi plants. Um, there was a earthquake tsunami situation that was like beyond mm-hmm. the scale of what the plants had been rated for. And so there was a large reactor accident. It's one of the largest like radioactive incidents that we've had in like human history. Um, and when that happened, like I was in school for nuclear engineering, and I just remember going home uh, this is traumatizing. Uh, I went home oh. for like a farm, like a, just like a weekend. And my parents are like old people and mm-hmm. they love to talk to other old people. Like we're in South Florida. It's mm-hmm. like old people party town. And so we go to a farmer's market and they're just like running around uh, chatting to randoms. My mother had discovered YouTube and this was like really the beginning of the end for me and uh she was telling people that all of the radioactivity had leaked out of the fukushima plants into the ocean in japan that uh contamination had moved through the ocean to the west coast of the united states it was being picked up in the, oh, it was melting fish it was being picked up in the uh you know in rain it was raining across the western coast of the united states all of the grass was now radioactive. All of the cows were now radioactive. And we were moving into some sort of like nuclear famine in the United States. And I am literally in school for nuclear engineering following her around being like, no, 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 <laughs> please stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> and it just like, they did not care. Um, and then, uh, you know, there was a thing about like the the airport in Denver being satanic, Um, I remember being a little bit concerned about uh, Beyonce being possessed by a demon named Sasha Fierce because, uh, you know, we were told that all secular music was just demonic and Mm -hmm. uh, there was a very convincing YouTube video and uh, uh, another really egregious one was, so my parents came to visit me after I had moved to uh, Charleston to for my job um, where I contract for the Navy in the nuclear propulsion training program. And they found a officer in the Navy. Um, he just like lived in my apartment complex and they were old people who love to talk to strangers. And so I was happy enough to let them, you know, bother this poor young man um, until my mom out of absolutely nowhere starts asking him, um, oh, I saw this thing recently, is it true? I should mention that this was like the same week that uh, Obama was turning over to Trump in the White House. So like Obama, it was like the last week of Obama being in the White House. My mother asked this uh, United States Naval officer, uh, is it true that if slash when Obama refuses to relinquish the seat of power and declares himself the King of the United States, that the, uh, the true America shifts to like the chief nuclear admiral or something. And he's the guy who gets to decide to nuke the White House. And I am standing there. Like I am about, I'm going to get fired. Like this guy's going to report me to somebody. Like, like this is absolutely insane. <laughs> yeah. um, get in the house and stop talking to people. Um, And I mean, like I knew people who had apocalypse like bunkers under the ground bunkers I think I knew at least two families that had bunkers Mm, um you know the full rapture end times um you know communist takeover Mm. like the conspiracy theories were you know a lot of it was evangelical based a lot of it was like end times based some of it was just random radiation stuff which was particularly offensive to me um so Mm -hmm. it was just normal um and i really didn't question it too much um which is concerning but because i just thought like especially with the political stuff like i really just like did not have a hand in politics i didn't understand it i was not involved um mm-hmm. growing up um i was t- trained and indoctrinated into thinking that democrats were evil like you couldn't mm-hmm. be a real christian if you were a democrat and um I just assumed that, you know, my elders and parents and people that I trusted and pastors and all these people, they're in positions of authority and you trust them. And I just assumed that they knew something that I didn't, you know, because I didn't know about politics. So like, they've got a handle on things. And they just said, vote for these people and think these things. And at worst, I thought, you know, well, maybe some of the stuff that, especially with like the more obvious conspiracy theories, like what's the real harm? You know, it's not really, they just believe some like crazy stuff. They're old people, like what's the real harm? Um, and then 2020 happened and then COVID happened and QAnon cropped up and that's, we figured, we found out what the harm was. Then we had, we had the Trump years um, and now we're dealing with like this wave of, white christian nationalist fascism um and you know i i realized that i let it sit for too long and that i had to take responsibility to actually figure out what was going on what i believed um and that there is very real and measurable harm done by believing conspiracy theories and just you know untruths so
0: Mm wow there's just so much <laughs> to dig into and that i want to ask and i'm thinking of like where to start but yeah you're doing a great job of explaining your story and your background so it sounds like kind of like a an identity crisis made you question that of like oh what do i believe who am i and so at what age like how old were you when you started to really question and what was like the first like reason or step for that. And I know you said it was like QAnon and COVID, mm-hmm. but w- did you just see, I guess, the cognitive dissonance in other people that made you question? Or was it just at that point you're like, all right, this is actually way too much to accept anymore?
1: So it was, I mean, like literally just like uh <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. It gets it get, like it gets worse <laughs> from from that point of the story. So basically um, in 2020, in the mm-hmm. early 2020, I want to say it was, it was July actually, mm-hmm. um, cause it was like the weekend of 4th of July. Um, and my friend Kathy, uh, the one who had been in Taiwan, uh, my absolute best friend, um, came to visit. Um, mm-hmm. she had been planning this for like several months, uh, before COVID and she was driving through from Florida through Charleston to see some family in North Carolina, um, and, you know, I told her, I was like, you know, I'm still okay with like you coming and staying with us for like a night or two, like with the pandemic happening and everything, but just understand mm-hmm. that like, you know, normally when people come to visit us, we're like, oh, we're going to do the whole sightseeing thing and like a foodie tour we'll go to breweries and restaurants and like, you know, we're going to have a Charleston experience. But um, when she came, you know, I told her, I was like, you know, you can still stay with us. Um, but understand that I was considered an essential worker. I was having to go into work um, during the pandemic. So like there is a chance that I am, you know, uh, exposed and we're not going to be able to obviously do the normal, like fun time Charleston. So she came and for that weekend um, that essentially changed the trajectory of my life because she the first thing she said when she got out of the car was, Oh, um, am I going to need a face mask? And I was just like, yes, obviously. And she was like, Oh, uh, Oh, haha! Like, that's so funny. This is the first time I've ever worn a face mask. It was July. It was July in the middle of a global pandemic that had been happening since like January, February or something. Mm. So I, and she said something like, Oh, we don't wear face masks in Florida. And I was like, I'm pretty sure that's not true. Um, and so, like, she just very obviously, like, did not take it seriously, did not care. Um, this is well before the time that vaccines had come out. And um, so they just, like, weren't even an option yet. And uh, she spent the entire weekend um, basically being, like, upset that we weren't going to restaurants and stuff like we normally would. And um, making fun of us for taking COVID seriously. And um, her friend, Mora, who she had met in taiwan who was more deeply involved in iblp um who i had uh, met once before had been on instagram just posting a bunch of crazy shit am i allowed to curse
0: oh please do yeah that's totally fine
1: again i work for the navy curse like a sailor um so yeah so she just was posting all this like crazy shit like full-blown qanon but this was before like people knew what qanon was but she was talking about um, like a communist wave that was going to overtake the United States and how um, stuff about like very obsessed with like pedophilia and like child trafficking. And at that time, like, cause we didn't know what QAnon was. I was like, how is that remotely connected to COVID? Like mm-hmm. um, saying that like face masks were child abuse and like sharing all these things that were like very crazy. And Kathy was just like, not phased by that. I was concerned. Kathy was not. And, um, that was upsetting. And then the next week she, uh, she sent like a voice message and she was like, Oh, like we were talking about conspiracy theories. So I thought I should tell you, um, my best friend from this church that I go to, uh, told me that like, When the vaccines come out, they're going to be full of secret metal, and that all of the metal that's been in your blood is going to interact with 5G radiation. And uh, the government's going to use that to control your mind to either kill you or make you vote for Democrats. She wasn't sure which one. And again, (laughs) (laughs) again, with the radiation conspiracies, like talking to me, a nuclear engineer, and I was just like, I, I literally, I, I, at first I didn't believe her. I was like, oh no, your friend doesn't actually believe that. That's some like crazy thing on the internet that she read, right? And Kathy was like, no, like she believes this. And I was just like, you need to reconsider all of your life choices for tolerating the existence of these people, let alone being friends with them. And if anybody that you know other than me says the word radiation to you, you need to slap them and walk away. And then I said something to the effect of calling her friend a smooth brain. And this bitch had the audacity to be offended by that. And I was like, you don't get to tell me that 5G radiation is going to control my mind and then have not me-, have n- me not react with violence like we have met. And uh, so like Kathy just like, did not see a problem with any of this was upset that I thought her friend was crazy. And at that point I knew something was deeply, deeply wrong. Cause like Kathy was my age. Um, She was young. Um, She wasn't one of our like, you know, Florida boomer parents with their conspiracy theories and stuff like this was not normal. And the fact that they were, Maura and Kathy were both connecting all of this crazy 5G radiation um, conspiracy theories to christianity and like somehow connecting that to jesus and at this point i was still very deeply still a christian and an evangelical it felt super blasphemous or disrespectful or something and i had that conversation with her and i was like you're you you're being a crazy bitch and it's a bad witness to like non-believers yeah. like if i i am a believer and i wouldn't i don't want anything to do with you so what do you think like you know the people you're trying to witness to think about you and she just like would not engage in a conversation Mm -hmm. um fast forward um literally the weekend after that my now husband proposed to me um so then we were planning a wedding and I asked I immediately asked all my bridesmaids to be in my wedding because it was like one of the things I was most excited about was to see all of my friends again um and every single one of the bridesmaids who was from my hometown was an anti-vaxxer, obviously Kathy was an anti-vaxxer, but I had two other bridesmaids who I had a conversation with one of them and she was like, I saw a video that said Oprah Winfrey was a pedophile. And I was just like, send me the video. And she sent me the video. And I was like, Oprah Winfrey is not a pedophile, at least not from this video. And uh, she also said like, oh, uh, you know, she, she was open to the idea of getting the vaccine and then she talked to her husband um, and she was like, oh no, we're not gonna get the vaccine because uh, my husband said that he works with a guy named like Toby or Garth or something. And uh, he got an arm tumor from the from the vaccine. And I was like, I don't think that Garth got an arm tumor, but okay. Um, and then my, the other bridesmaid, she was, she's always been the most receptive and the most willing to have a conversation, which I deeply, deeply appreciate. Um, but she told me, and this is another one of like the most egregious things that her aunt, who was a woman that I have known from early childhood, like these are people in my closest inner circle of, you know, community. And then also just like people in the more, uh, peripheral. Um, so this, <laughs> my bridesmaids aunt literally had gone deep down the QAnon rabbit hole had like would lock herself in a room with her computer and just like not be seen from, by her family for days and had told my bridesmaid uh, Stephanie that all of the hurricanes that hit Florida in 2020 and it's, it's fucking, it's Florida. Okay. Like we get a lot of hurricanes. It's just, it's Mm -hmm. what it is. Um, All the hurricanes that hit Florida in 2020 were man-made by Jewish space lasers, Jewish space lasers with the intent of sinking the state of Florida because DeSantis had given them too much freedom. I could not i literally still cannot uh, like like what do you do with that information like this is a person that i have met in my real life who is talking mm-hmm. about jewish space lasers like i'm not okay and um you know at least stephanie was just like oh yeah like uh she's 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 way off the deep end like you know stephanie recognized that obviously that was not true but mm-hmm. she still wouldn't get the vaccine and i was like how do you not see the connection and um you know when we we when we went to actually have the wedding um my dad has one lung and is a cancer survivor oh, wow. and is over 65 years old. So he is quite literally the definition of high risk. Yeah. Um, and my mom, my dad, and my brother, who all still live together, refuse to get the vaccine. And they refuse to social distance and they refuse to wear face masks. My dad was exposed at one point um and did not get it. But uh our old our neighbor um old man greg uh got in the car with my dad having symptoms Uh. having taken a test and it was back when the test took like a day to get the results back for um -hmm. he was waiting on the results of his test knew that he had symptoms got in the car with my dad without a Uh. face mask and like then tells my dad like oh yeah like i'm kind of sick and also i'm waiting on my covid results um my dad did not get sick but i was literally ready to go down to florida and like beat the ass out of some old man named greg mm-hmm. um yeah. like i still might and um so like they just, but even after that my family refused to take it seriously and i told my parents um cuz we were religiously tracking like covid numbers and the the pandemic and everything um because of our wedding and we were ne- we were never sure if we could have a wedding um and We got super, super lucky because we happened to time it at like the lowest point of Delta before Omicron had taken over. Mm -hmm. Um, So the case numbers were dropping at the time the vaccine was out. And at the time it was thought to be like 96, 98% effective or something. The wedding was all outdoors. 90% of the guests were going to be vaccinated. um, And like nobody was under the age of 30. So like we felt comfortable having the wedding, but I told my parents, like, you're going to be the only people there who are not um, under 30. So, and dad is the definition of high risk. I will not have a wedding unless you guys are vaccinated because if something happened to dad, I would never be able to live with myself. Like I just could mm-hmm. not. And my mom literally tried to cancel the wedding rather than get vaccinated. Oh wow. Um, and I was just like, no, 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 no. Um, so, uh, my dad thankfully understood maybe not that it was important for him to get vaccinated, but it was important to me. Um, and so he spent three days talking her into getting vaccinated and we did actually get to have the wedding. Um, but you can imagine the the drama that went into that and like the screaming matches and me being called a bridezilla right. and a control freak. And um, at one point my mom tried to have the wedding in the Miami Trump tower um, I just like blocked, I blacked <laughs> that fact out of wow. my mind for like months. <laughs> like, I just, I just like completely could not handle that. Um, and for my bridal shower, um, I went home to Florida for my bridal shower and great aunt and uncle are, um, we're not going to come to the actual wedding because they are a hundred billion years old and they don't, travel well. Um, and also it was during the pandemic. Um, my uncle has an autoimmune disease and his doctor had recommended that he get the vaccine, but because of the autoimmune disease, like there was no guarantee that it would actually be very effective. Um, and so my aunt just kind of does whatever my uncle does. So she was also not vaccinated, but she wanted to come to the bridal shower. And again, at the time we thought the vaccines were like 99% effective. So I told my mom that I thought you know, I, I said I thought that that would be okay as long as everybody who was not vaccinated got tested for COVID just because my great aunt was going to be there. Um, and I just, again, would never be able to live with myself. I know that like the the chance of something bad happening was low, but like just, just in case. And I thought that, you know, I wasn't like demanding people get vaccinated. I just asked that they get tested because my very elderly aunt was going to be present um, and people threw fit. Um, Stephanie and her mother, who is very close to our family, um were like, We're not sure that we can do that. Um, they were potentially gonna boycott the, you know, the bridal shower and they they ghosted me, like they refused to reply to my messages. They were only talking wow. to my mother, my mother, who is very much on their side of things. And so my mom went to my great aunt and tried to convince my great aunt to come to the bridal shower without people getting tested. Um, And then called me and said that it was my aunt's decision, not our decision as the hosts of the event. um, And that I was being a controlling bridezilla freak Mm -hmm. person for, you know, not having a problem with that. And I was like, I will literally burn this city to the ground before I let these people come to the shower without Mm -hmm. being tested or, or vaccinated. Um, I was like, if they don't want to get tested, like, that's fine. Like I have no fine that they can just not come. Like that's, I, I understand. I'm not being like, I'm not like have any great animosity towards them. Um, but they're not going to show up Mm -hmm. and, uh, it didn't go again. It didn't go over well. Um, They did end up getting tested um, and the bridal shower is fine. But I show up for the bridal shower. It's my bridal shower. And everybody's like, oh, are you excited? Like, are you so happy? And I was just like, I'm literally just trying to survive. Please stop talking to me. So just like the amount of stress and everything on top of like regular wedding planning, like going through like conspiracy theories and stuff with people, it was too much. And um, it kind of got to the point of just having to push to the end we just have to get through the wedding we just have to get through the wedding and i was learning while this was happening like i was trying to educate myself on QAnon and conspiracy theories and covid and all of this stuff like while trying to plan the wedding and everything and i kept trying to just like not overreact you know maybe you just don't understand the situation maybe things aren't as bad as you think it is like don't destroy relationships like just get through the wedding um, I did completely uninvite Kathy from the wedding. I was like, do not show up. Okay. Um, but like everybody else, <laughs> mm-hmm. I was just like, you know, just get through the wedding. And then like after the wedding, it hit me. And so the at Christmas uh, in December of 21, um, it had been like a month or two after the wedding, we were with my husband's family who are all normal and pleasant and intelligent and wonderful and don't know that I'm a complete nutcase Um, or they might now, but (laughs) um, I got two text messages uh, one from a friend from undergrad and one from just like this random guy at work and they were both like they knew that I knew what QAnon was and they were just like help my dad it, almost verbatim the same exact text message these people do not know each other help my dad is talking about QAnon stuff like one of him, one of them was talking about like the mark of the beast and mm-hmm. like all this stuff and the other one um was just kind of more on the government side of conspiracy theories and they were like what do we do our dads are like falling in for QAnon. And I was like, I'm not an expert. I don't know. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was unsuccessful in talking any of my family out of this. Um, but it hit me that like, it just felt very unfair that people that I knew that I loved and respected were having to deal with the same sort of just horror that I had been dealing with for the last like two years at this point. Um, and that was, it felt like almost a physical snap like a snap Mm, um, of me kind of severing internally from all of those relationships. And it wasn't like just my mom or just my dad or just my aunt or my brother or whoever. It was every single person in my life. Um, My brother at one point had told me that we should just let the week die. Um, And I was like, no. Um, So literally everybody, I kind of just severed from that it was kind of a freeing moment but also that was exactly when I was like if good Christian people can be so wrong about Jewish space lasers and microchips and 5G radiation and stuff that is so obviously conspiracy theories what else can they be wrong about and it turns out everything literally everything
0: uh, so, <laughs>
1: um so Starting then, um, I was like, okay, I'm going to all, I knew every. I knew a lot about QAnon by that point. I was like, look, I will just write it all down. I will write an essay to my family and being like, this is what QAnon is. And please stop talking about Mark of the Beast. Um, because the, I, I had to do this for like, you know, like 10, 15, 20 people. It, it was not like, it was very difficult to have that, a very deep, intensive conversations over and over and over again with that. It was like a inverse intervention. You know, normally Mm -hmm. you get like everybody together to like talk one person out of something. It was the opposite of that though, because it was just me with literally everybody that I knew. So I was like, I'll write it all down and then you just give it to everybody. And then that essay ended up um being much longer than an essay. Um and then I was also learning and reading while I was trying to write this stuff down. And um I at that point like I didn't even really know what deconstruction was. I didn't know Mm -hmm. that word. And I, you know, it's kind of funny because like a lot of it was like TikTok, something as stupid as TikTok
0: Um,
1: (laughs) and Instagram and like these social media platforms. It started with a couple of book recommendations and then like from one book to another book to another book and then like one Instagram account to another Instagram account. And then like uh, I was able to put language to it. I was able to like call it deconstruction. Um, I was able to, uh, you know, I, I eventually found, all of the cult resources. So Stephen Hassan with his combating cult, mind control. I'm currently listening to one of Dr. Janja Lalic's books, uh, Mm -hmm. Margaret Singer. um, And then, you know, Robert Lifton, like all the, the language that they put to what was going on. Um, And so I'm still learning obviously, and I probably will be forever um, while I'm trying to write this down, but the, you know, it went from an essay basically to just a book about my deconstruction. So the first half is really kind of, um, my personal story, which I have just briefly kind of gone through uh, and an in-depth look at uh, QAnon. There's a fun little side bit about flat earth because Stephanie tried to set me up with the flat earther once, I will never forgive you, Stephanie. Um, And uh, the second half of the book is really more of like the deconstruction, like Mm -hmm. um, talking about cults and the tactics that cults use and uh, totalistic ideologies and how those are so deeply connected to conspiracy theory psychology mm-hmm. um and then you know kind of where i've landed is you can't talk somebody out of conspiracy theory if you're talking to your aunt who believes in jewish space lasers if you're arguing about jewish space lasers you are arguing about the wrong thing because it, it's like a what's the ancient greek thing a hydra you know where you cut off one head and like three more grow back um <laughs> you can you can talk somebody out of maybe like one conspiracy theory, but like they'll just replace it with like three more. Um, and the Internet is full of far more than you could ever debunk. So yeah. you have why all of these white evangelical Christians believe all of these conspiracy theories is really built on this white Christian nationalism, uh, the totalistic ideologies of American exceptionalism, because there's definitely this nationalist element to it, this Mm -hmm. uh, propagandized version of American history that is just like lies, um, and biblical inerrancy. So the idea that they have the absolute truth, the absolute anything um, is built on, you know, biblical inerrancy. And if I think uh, those are the things that we should be targeting in these conversations, not talking about, you know, hydroxychloroquine or Microchips, but why do they actually believe those things?
0: Mm. And as you, and I know I'm sure there's so many details to go into, but if you could kind of from your what you've researched so far, could you dig a little bit into a little bit of the specifics of why they did believe a lot of these things?
1: So that is. A very difficult question to answer yeah. it's still something that i'm like really mm-hmm. meditating on but um what i've really been thinking about recently is uh robert j lifton uses the word t- or the term totalistic ideologies to describe what a cult is um if you look at all the different experts uh Hassan, Walich, singer lifton um anybody else they each have their own model of like what a cult is um to Typically, it involves some sort of charismatic leader, a transcendent belief system, um, a system of control, and a system of influence. I think those are Lulich's, um mm-hmm. Four characteristics. So, not everything that uses cultic thought reform tactics. That, oh, let me back up. Okay, thought reform is uh, what Robert Lifton. Um, he has eight characteristics of. Reform, which is the basically manipulation tactics that cults Mm -hmm. use to indoctrinate people into their belief system. Um, not every group that uses cultic thought reform tactics is necessarily a traditional cult. So, when you think of Jonestown or Heaven's Gate or the Manson family or like these like real cults with like a charismatic leader, um, destructive cults, those are a little bit different than I would say evangelical Christianity. Um, Mm -hmm. it's much closer to like what IBLP was. IBLP had a characteristic, charismatic leader, uh, with Mm -hmm. Bill Gothard who, you know, we found out years later was sexually molesting everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, but the evangelical system, there is no one charismatic leader, right? It doesn't fit that model exactly, but it is, a totalistic ideology okay Mm -hmm. so it just depends on how you use the language around this but um, a totalistic ideology is basically just we have the absolute truth it uses Robert Lifton's eight uh, characteristics of thought reform Um, it kind of necessitates a version of teleological thinking which is that everything happens for a purpose so like Mm -hmm. the sun um, exists to give us warmth not that like we evolved the way that we evolved because the sun exists the way that it exists. Mm. Um, And specifically everything has to happen for a purpose that fits within that group's ideology. So um, it basically creates a, they also use like in-group out-group psychology. They establish this like in-group out-group which Uh, is extremely powerful social manipulation. Um, It completely shuts down empathy because then you can say somebody who's outside of the group is a non-person or is satanic or is demonic or whatever it is. Um, You can say that like they are less than Mm. Um, and it completely shuts down critical thinking uh, because it creates what um, Jan Walich called bounded choice. And the Mm -hmm. Lifton term for that is personal closure. So if you have the absolute truth and you know everything that is right and wrong and you've dichotomized every issue into black and white thinking, um, you have a closed system of thought where everything has to fall in line with the totalistic ideology's doctrine. And so you produce these bounded choices. And so why did Trump lose the 2020 election? um suddenly becomes well either white evangelical christians were not strong or righteous enough to you know have the right president and god abandoned us or um there was some sort of like evil satanic tampering um those are the only choices that are available within Mm. this totally totalistic ideology the idea that the majority of americans don't want to live in a homophobic misogynistic uh fascist theocracy is not an option. Like that is not never anything that is considered (laughs) or is on the table. It's not a bounded choice. So um, what, uh, who was it? Sir Arthur Cannon Doyle said, um, when you've eliminated all of the impossible options, whatever is left, however improbable, must be the truth. But when you're in a totalistic ideology with these bounded choices, um, it convinces you that anything outside of that group's doctrine is the impossible. And mm-hmm. so whatever you're left with, however improbable, and now we're talking about Jewish space lasers and microchips and the mark of the beast, must be the truth. Um, so it completely warps your perception of reality. And that's what conspiracy theories are. They're just an explanation of phenomenon and events from within a totalistic ideology. Um, so if you look at it, from the language and the lens of like how cults operate, conspiracy theories suddenly make a lot more sense. Mm -hmm. And not everybody who believes in QAnon or all of these conspiracy theories is necessarily a white evangelical, um, but the United States is a Christian hegemony, meaning that just culturally Christian Christianity, Christian faith, Christian language just completely permeates the culture. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people celebrate Christmas who are not Christians at all. Yeah. Um, the immigration policy for the United States going back since the founding of the country um, was based on white and Christian. So you had to prove that you were either a white person or a Christian person. Um, so like just so deeply ingrained in ways that we can't even comprehend this is uh you know culturally a Christian hegemony um and uh, recent polling has shown that six, zero 60% of all Americans believe that the founding fathers intended for this country to be a Christian nation, quote unquote, Christian nation. And that Mm. 45% of all Americans believe that it should be a Christian nation. Now that's 45% of all Americans believe that it should be a Christian nation now. So even if you're not a white evangelical, it makes a lot of sense that there's so many people who are falling for these very much white evangelically driven conspiracy theories and that's why i think QAnon and right-wing politics is um which is just like you know white evangelical politics mm-hmm. is so appealing to a large terrifyingly large base of yeah. americans
0: mm, yes wow thank you so much for going into depth and into your knowledge and what you've researched into that because wow like it's like mm. Because like it just makes me think of like the results of this lack of critical thinking and wanting and really seeing a lot in this area a lot of confirmation bias oh here's something oh here's a conspiracy theory that confirms what I already believe internally mm-hmm. like in a general sense so let me okay well because that aligns with my ideology well then that must be true again you talking about how nothing. No, other options can exist outside of that ideology. And uh, again, like with the end times thing, like a lot of those things in scriptures, they're very general. There's no specific. It doesn't say in scripture, "Oh, this specific thing is going to happen." It's general, so people can apply and make. Like I've heard so many, like growing up in fundamentalist Christianity, I heard a lot of people say, "Oh, this country is going to do this," and Oh, this represents this country in the Bible, but it doesn't say that in the Bible. It's just general. Like no one <laughs> people no one knows. can
1: people can read whatever they want mm. into the text if they're yes. you know basically that warped. Um I mm-hmm. was also raised, like my mom definitely sat me down at one point and said that like Jesus is coming back in her lifetime because she read one Bible verse that said something about a dove and that like because israel had been reestablished as a as a country like it, her generation was the generation and i was like i'm mm. pretty sure every generation like ever has been saying that like mm-hmm. since jesus left the first time so um yeah and it, it it you know it comes back down to so i like to think about it as kind of like building blocks
0: mm-hmm.
1: um and at the very top of the building block tower is where you have you know the hydroxychloroquine type conspiracy theories if you're Mm. if you're dealing with that it's not going to help um what's at the bottom what what, they they take one assumption Mm -hmm. as fact and then it's kind of the uh, transitive property if a then b if b Mm -hmm. then c and so on so you know if you're dealing with you know xyz you should be dealing with abc and mm-hmm. the abc and the the end times prophecy and all of that is built on that idea of biblical inerrancy mm-hmm. and that is honestly the most important thing probably that i uh deconstructed um it is gonna definitely be the most contentious issue uh, that if you know when i get to talking to my family really about all of this stuff Mm -hmm. um because that is you can't uh in polite society like question somebody's well that's my belief that's my religion that's my faith like you Mm -hmm. can't have a uh conversation about that that's questioning it because then that's disrespectful um Mm -hmm. and I've, i've seen some uh TikTok influencers and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but um, I don't know a lot about like the Jewish faith tradition, but I've seen some Jewish uh, influencers who are saying that in their faith tradition, um, it's encouraged to uh, have debates and conversations and to question people's beliefs. And, you know, it only sharpens you and makes your beliefs more reasonable and sh- stronger if you have to defend your beliefs. And I'm pretty sure there's a Bible some- Bible verse in there somewhere about, um, you know, being able to explain why you believe what you believe. Um, and I have, you know, I would recommend probably the number one book for anybody who's like flirting with deconstruction. The very first number one book um, would be how the Bible actually works by Pete ends, Peter ends. And he is a, he has a PhD. um, I think he's like a theologian. um, And he talks about the Bible and totally changed my perspective on it because you know, for the first two or three years of me deconstructing, like, um, American exceptionalism was easy. That was easy to deconstruct because it, it isn't as tied to like a divine religious Mm -hmm. belief. It's just this idea that like, um, you know, it's, it's a political historical belief and you can combat that with like actual historical facts. And there's all of these quotes from the founding fathers and stuff who are just like, uh, religion's whack. Uh, you know, like, American exceptionalism for me was much easier to kind of debunk and there's a bunch of amazing references uh, for that as well Um, I have a lot of them listed on my Instagram account but biblical inerrancy was really something that was I couldn't deconstruct because I didn't have the information and I didn't know that there was information that Mm -hmm. could help me Um, So I did find how the Bible actually works. And then also some books by Rob Bell um, much later in my deconstruction, which I wish I had found earlier. But um, just as an example, um, Lucifer is not like Satan. Um, when it is mentioned in the Bible, mm-hmm. I think it's an Isaiah, but don't quote me on that. Uh, it's in reference to a star, uh, specifically Venus. And it's supposed to allegorically be referring to like the King of Babylon or something. It is not talking about like Satan. And then also, um, when you're talking about hell in the new Testament, there's three different words used for hell in the new Testament. They all have different cultural and historical meanings um and it is by absolutely no means cut and dry um what each of them means the whole script of satan versus god and us you know jesus's penal substitutionary atonement jesus sacrificing himself as a as an offering for our souls or whatever um you really have to read it into the bible it's not it's not cut and dried. There is no sinner's prayer in the New Testament. We do all of these things and we believe all of these things when it is not nearly as obvious if you haven't been indoctrinated in it since childhood. Mm -hmm. Um, So there is room for debate. There is room for discussion. And um, it's gonna be a lot harder for you to believe that Hillary Clinton is eating babies uh, if you can't say that Democrats are satanic because Satan isn't what you thought it was. So mm-hmm. you have to attack the core of the beliefs before dealing with like the crazy QAnon shit.
0: Mm. Mm. Yes. Yes. Thank you so much. Yeah, that is so important. And I think another thing is, you know, people, even digging at that foundation, oof, people get, they can get so defensive. So I think, Advice that I've heard from other people is asking that friend or that relative what makes you want to believe these things. Like, again, the foundation, you said these things in the Bible. So, there's something that wants to make them believe those things in the Bible to begin with. So, what in their life is making them more extreme about that? Getting, I guess, more into the psychology of that foundation. And again, like, I don't know if they'll even open up about that or even if they're aware of that themselves either.
1: No, um, you know, I think that a lot of it is not conscious thought, mm-hmm. um, because, you know, I, I was like that, like I went mm-hmm. through it and I, you just, you don't think about your beliefs. You just believe mm-hmm. them. Um, and I, have i'm reticent to provide any kind of advice on like how to deal with people Mm -hmm. who are you know still indoctrinated or whatever but you know from what i've read it is a um combating cult mind control by Stephen hassan is an excellent resource Mm, um he is a professional exit counselor so he talks to people um bringing them out of all kinds of different cults and stuff. So he definitely has experience, um, but basically it's a, it's a slow process. It is a, an intensive process. You have to make emotional connections. Mm-hmm. You cannot intellectualize somebody yeah. out of a belief system. Um, and, you know, it has to be somebody who has a deep emotional connection to that person, like a mm-hmm. a family member or a very, very close friend with um, constant continuous Connection and importantly, like you can't call anybody a dumbass, which I am physically incapable of. Um, <laughs> you have to ask probing questions and you know, direct them to information that they maybe don't have. Um, but like, like as you said, like, why do you believe that? Or, well, what about this? And like, make mm-hmm. them think, make them think.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Um, but you have to have yeah, constant contact, it is a lot of work. Um, mm-hmm. you're probably, I mean, from my experience, you're probably going to be attacked um, and be prepared for that. And for a Mm -hmm. lot of people, it's too much and you have to, you know, go no contact and Mm -hmm. realize that you can't save um, everybody or anybody. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's very much like the fundamentalist evangelical perspective of like needing to save people and needing to share the good news of like, you know, (laughs) whatever. So um, it's, all very difficult.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. And so what has your life been like now as you've gotten out of that system of control?
1: Um I as I said, um was very lucky in that my family was not as deeply in mm-hmm. IBLP or some of these other more um fundamentalist ideas. I Got to go to a secular school. I moved away. I got out of my hometown even though I was still indoctrinated at that point. Um, just not being in the physical isolation of an idea of a totalistic group um I'm very fortunate. Uh, A lot of people that I know, you know, if they don't leave, they they didn't leave the hometown, they, you know, every, their whole social circle is still in this group. That's very difficult, if not impossible to leave. Um, I have my own life, you know, like I married my husband who is not a part of the, this, he doesn't, (laughs) he doesn't uh really get any of this because he's just like oh well your family's just like in a cult like whatever um you know so (laughs) um i for me it's because i'm fortunate in that way it's really been more of a like mental psychological Mm -hmm. um freedom um because i was already physically free um Mm -hmm. which i understand is not everybody's situation but um Since deconstruction, I went through a very difficult time last year, like Mm -hmm. like, immediately after that Christmas where I had that snap and I was like, oh, I've been lied to my entire life. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, all of the cult experts talk about when you come out of a belief system like that, most people will revert back to their Pre existing identity. Um, they talk about like if you join a cult, you almost have a cult persona that takes over. But for somebody who is indoctrinated from childhood, there is nothing to revert back to. Um, you don't have a pre existing identity. And so
0: hmm.
1: I experienced that and I was kind of adrift for a long time. I felt kind of manic. I didn't know what had been a lie and what hadn't been a lie. And I had to sort through a lot of that. Um, and for me reading was, and learning was extremely important. So yeah. I, like I said, mm-hmm. my Instagram account is largely a book recommendation, Instagram account. Um, but I read about, um, conspiracy theories. I read about cult, uh, cult psychology was a huge mm-hmm. help yeah. for me. Cause I could put a language to what had happened to me, um, you know, reading about the history of white evangelicalism in the United States and how it is deeply, deeply connected to uh, racism. Mm -hmm. Um, And for me, as a woman, having been raised in evangelicalism, actually where a lot of it started was... um, deprogramming from the purity culture elements because i knew i knew that the purity culture stuff was mm, bullshit yeah. um so i started with that you know because like that was my personal experience and then from that i discovered the connection to racism and the history of the church which you know i'm white so that was not my personal experience um but again i realized i had been lied to mm. um and then now, uh, it's really just kind of putting all the dots together. And there's like a huge political element to this, um, with the nationalism side of things, but, um, I'm in a much better place now. I'm still working through how to deal with the personal connections to people back home, like my family, who still are very much a part of the, you know, evangelical mindset. Um, but, you know, just for anybody who's like going through that, um, and what I've heard a lot of other people say too, is just like, it is, it, it gets worse before it gets better. Um, mm-hmm. But it does get better. And there are resources and there are people who have figured things out for you, you know? So mm-hmm. like, it just like finding those resources and being able to like talk to people who've been through it before it has just been like immensely, you know, just like earth shattering in a good way for me. And podcasts like this one uh, with people who come on and tell like their stories, um, again have just been incredibly informative and like helps people realize that they're not the only ones going through this um because it before you can put a a a name to it like to call it deconstruction to call it whatever it is um you know it can definitely feel like you're adrift
0: Mm, yes wow like thank you so much for sharing your story and all of this information and connecting it all so well together to help people understand. And is there anything else that you would like to cover?
1: Um, no, uh, just uh, everybody read all of the books that I've read. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I would start with how the Bible actually works by Pete Ends.
0: Awesome. So yeah, I'll be sure for people listening to, uh, link her social so you can go check out her book recommendations. And thank you so much for everyone for listening. And this was Speaking Up with Andrew Pledger. Thank you for listening to Speaking Up with Andrew Pledger. Your support is much appreciated. Please leave a review and share with friends and family. And if you can, please support me on Patreon, and the link is in my description. Thank you so much for listening to Speaking Up with Andrew Pledger.